Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, and welcome back to Chasing Childhood. If you're new here, what took you so long? Yeah, what what was the holdup? <laughs> What's going on? We've missed you. We've been waiting for you this entire time. Three years. Three years of it now. <laughs> 144 episodes of silence. We've just been waiting for you. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I'm Steph. And I'm Lex. And we are a weekly podcast where we revisit our favorite childhood movies and video games to see if they still hold up as adults. Yes, yes, yes. And today we are reviewing a movie that I have not seen until now. I'm so excited. We're reviewing The Three Musketeers. Could you imagine if I just stopped there? If I was like, I have not seen and just like never watched it. She's like, I didn't actually watch it. We're going to do the episode and I'm just going to guess. End sentence. Um, the Three Musketeers. Woo! And not the Mickey one. Yeah, not the Mickey one. Lex texted me earlier today and was like, so we're watching the Mickey one, right? And I was like, no, we're watching the Tim Curry one. Okay, because I literally started making the outline this morning and I was like, Mickey's, wait, <laughs> I texted you, I was like, let me make sure. I was like, since you brought it up, we're watching Mickey, right? And you were like, no. absolutely not. I can't think of anything I want to watch less than the Mickey Musketeer <laughs> movie. <laughs> I was literally like, since we're on the topic, and you were like, we're not on the topic. <laughs> but yeah, so we are watching The Three Musketeers. Ooh, the live action 1993 version. And let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, The Three Musketeers, as I said, is a 1993 action-adventure comedy film from a partnership between Walt Disney Pictures, Caravan Pictures, and the Kerner Entertainment Company. It was directed by Stephen Herrick from The Mighty Ducks and the live-action 101 Dalmatians film. And the screenplay for the film... Why did I say it like that? 101. 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> 101 Dalmatians <laughs> film. And the screenplay for the film was written by David Lowry, who wrote on Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, Star Trek V, The Final Five. Fr- yeah, I'm like, Five, The Final Frontier. I don't know enough Numbers about Star are Trek. Hard. Yeah, I'm having a night. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing your best, and that's all that matters. Thank you. So, The Three Musketeers is loosely based on the 1844 novel, The Three Musketeers. Uh, um, you got it. Le let trois. me just. Les trois mousquetaires. Ooh. That was totally me, guys. Let me do it again. <laughs> Les trois mousquetaires. Yes. Oh, love yes. it. Yes. I'm fluent. Um, by oh, Alexander Dumas. It stars Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell, Oliver Platt, Tim Curry, and Rebecca de Mornay. Ooh, that's a fun last name. So fun. Music for the film was composed by Michael Kamen and performed by the Greater Los Angeles All-Star Orchestra. Kamen, alongside Brian Adams and Mutt Lang, also wrote the original song All for Love for the end credits. All for Love was performed by Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting and became a hit almost immediately. All for Love ended up winning a BMI and an ASCAP award. I always just like I say, love when you say, say it like ASCAP that. Award. <laughs> An ASCAP award, whatever. The only two awards that the film got as a whole. The film itself actually did pretty impressive in the box office, though. After its release on November 12th, 1993, a month before Steph was released, yeah. it grossed $111 million worldwide on a budget of $30 million. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. 
So if you're like Lex and have never seen this ancient artifact of a film, or if you haven't seen this since the good old days before the wheel was invented, (laughs) here's a plot summary written by an anonymous author on IMDb. In France, 1625, young D'Artagnan heads to Paris to join the Musketeers, an elite group of expert swordsmen who fight to protect the king. But what D'Artagnan doesn't know is that the evil Cardinal Richelieu has recently disbanded them, aside from three Musketeer rebels who refuse to comply. He meets the three, named Athos, Porthos, and Aramis, and joins them on their quest to save the king and country. I am so glad you read that because I watched the entire film allegedly and i <laughs> still don't know how to pronounce their names so <laughs> <laughs> the, i think the musketeers have really easy names it's all the villains that have hard names mm. yeah i i don't know d'artagnan is like one that i have to get used to because i like my last name has an apostrophe in it and i still panic anytime i see an apostrophe <laughs> in anything <laughs> it's easy for me because i am always in our house going d'artagnan <laughs> Tyler does it from the other side of the house, so oh, no. <laughs> it's fun. All right, so let's get into our fun facts. Let's do it. So in 1992, Walt Disney Pictures, Columbia Pictures, and TriStar Pictures simultaneously began developing three different adaptations of The Three Musketeers. Whoa. Drama. Disney purchased a screenplay for the film by David Lowry for $650,000 after he had already been hired to write the screenplay of the Columbia adaptation. Oh, so they poached him. So they drafted him. He was like, there's no loyalty in paychecks. (laughs) Literally. He was like, pay me or I walk. Wow. Wild. Crazy. I mean, that's some cutthroat business strategy, honestly. too. Literally. So my first fun fact is that Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell, and Oliver Platt all endured six weeks of fencing and riding lessons. Charlie Sheen missed out on all of this as he was filming the sequel to Hot Shots. Since he didn't attend training camp, you might notice throughout the movie that his character tends to fight with his fists instead of a sword. Interesting. This is probably intentional. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Another, like, kind of thing that has to do with the fighting of the film but the throwing weapon with cords and weights that Porthos uses to catch the guard during the fight at the convent is real it's called bolas which we learned from kangaroo jack yeah and <laughs> or boleadora and was used by t- patagonian gauchos in modern day argentina as for the time of this movie these weren't known in europe so this could actually support Porthos's claims of his many travels and adventures, despite generally being considered as fabricated. I mean, the man knew some stuff. He'd be knowing things that aren't known in Europe, so I believe him. Yeah. They're all like, you're lying. And he's like, really? Really? He's Look like, these here's a weapon from Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> How would I have this if I'm lying? <laughs> All right, so the next fun fact is that when Countess de Winter jumps off of a cliff, she became the first character in a movie released under the Walt Disney banner to, as the kids say, unalive (laughs) themselves. Ooh. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen, have I seen anybody do that since in a Disney movie? I can't think of any. Literally the only one I think of is The Last of the Mohicans, and I'm pretty sure that came out before this, but I could be wrong. And it wasn't Disney. Yeah, I've never seen The Last of the Mohicans, so... Yeah. Um, 
wild. So our last fun fact is kind of like a who could have been in the movie. Mm-hmm. So Brad Pitt turned down the role of D'Artagnan. Oh, I remembered how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., William Baldwin, Johnny Depp, Gary Oldman, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Gary Elwes, and Al Pacino were all sat out by Disney for different parts in the movie. I'm like super sad because apparently Carrie Elwes was like deep in talks when he, I guess, didn't get the role. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I really would have enjoyed him as D'Artagnan. Yes. Like, I really would have loved that so much. I feel like they were probably like, well, he did Robin Hood and he did Princess Bride. So like how many more swashbuckling fighting movies can he do? But like, we never get tired of it. You don't have to train him. He doesn't even need to go to the camp. He already knows how to do all the things. Yes. Just give us what we want. Maybe he just like wasn't young enough at the time for the role. <gasps> it is kind of a how young dare you? role. I mean, listen, I think he's great at every age, but... D'Artagnan is like a really young guy. So maybe they were like, uh, you look a little too old for this role. Wow. Which is possible. Disney could do that. I'm just saying. They might say that. I wouldn't say that. They might say that. (sighs) (laughs) Anyways, let's get into it. Let's do it. So when was the last time you saw this? Uh, Probably seven months ago eight months ago (laughs) i watched this i watched this a lot i like this movie a lot i think i've seen it 370 times um oh my gosh this movie was a staple of my childhood growing up oh wow my dad loved this movie he had my brother and i watch it from like a very probably too early age i was about to say what this yeah this movie i think i've been watching since i was like eight or nine it's it's like ingrained in my life. So yeah, <laughs> I think we watched it. Tyler and I might've watched it the very beginning of this year, end of last year. I had him watch it because I was like, you need to see this. And he'd never seen oh, wow. it. And now he's like, ah, I like this movie. So yeah. But why haven't you seen it? I was too busy watching the Mickey one. <laughs> <laughs> it's because my French is not so good. I wasn't able to watch this. Um, oh my God. Your parents were probably like, this movie is like really inappropriate for children, like very responsibly. (laughs) I honestly don't. I mean, they're the ones that let me watch Austin Powers for like forever. That's true. Airplane and everything else (laughs) that's not appropriate. I don't know. I honestly never even thought about this movie. Like clearly didn't even know which movie we were watching this week. So like no idea. What's crazy is this is the movie that I know Tim Curry from, like even really? before Scooby-Doo. Like this is the movie that I would associate Tim Curry with. I think I didn't even realize he was the voice of the bad guy in Scooby-Doo until <gasps> later. So like this is what I would associate him with. And in my wow. brain, Tim Curry only played villains. He was yeah. only villains in everything. <laughs> Literally. I mean, what did we say last time? In our Secret of Nim episode, all you need is a cape and eyebrows. Yeah. Like, this guy had it all. <laughs> and the voice, I mean, iconic. So good. Yeah. Um, just right off the bat, I was like, this is Disney. It doesn't like, feel like Disney, does it? It does not. No, it's so dark. It doesn't. Actually, the intro of this really reminded me of the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Like oh, the intro from yeah. that. Where they start off like in the dungeon Mm -hmm. and like people are getting tortured and stuff. I was like, uh, did I click on the right movie? Like for a while (laughs) I was like, 
is this the one I'm supposed to be watching? Because I had no idea what was going on. And then Tim Curry came on the screen and I was like, okay, (laughs) all right, we're good. I was like, the mayor, the mayor is in. Yeah, the mayor of Chasing Childhood. (laughs) Yes, he's in. So yeah, I honestly never knew how bad I needed a floppy hat with a feather until watching this movie. I added like 10 to my cart. I'm like giving Stevie Nicks vibes. It's such a vibe. It's so fun. It's so wild. I Yeah, I, I love the, all the fashion in this movie. It is so much <laughs> and so extra. It's so much yet not enough. Yeah. I really enjoyed Tim Curry's character. I thought he always plays such a good villain. Um, his little like confidant or whatever his sidekick the guy with the eye patch oh, I was Rushfort like Rushfort or Rushfort or I forget how you say his name it's like Rushfort or Rushfort something like that I don't know my French is rusty <laughs> literally Maya okay so yesterday we were watching Dexter's lab just a quick side note and we hit the episode where all he can say the entire episode is omelette du fromage <laughs> and now that's like all I can think about I love it <laughs> so anytime we hear like a person's name in this I'm gonna be like omelette du fromage in my brain but yeah so the guy with the eye patch basically like at one point he made me laugh because he was like so intense and there was one point where he like turns around and he throws a temper tantrum and he like slices the candles and I was like ooh tough guy can kill candles ooh, <laughs> so scared um and then we have D'Artagnan who walks around like a freaking living wrecking ball. I'm like, sir, can you stop picking fights with every single person you come into contact with? Yeah. I'm going to be honest. D'Artagnan is like my least favorite character in this whole movie. Yeah. And it's because literally every single person he meets, he's like, I'll fight you. I'll duel yeah. you. Like, I am a swordsman. He's like really arrogant. And yeah. it makes him super annoying. Like, my favorite are the original Literally. musketeers. Like, the three musketeers are so great yeah. to me. I think that's also why I'm kind of like, maybe I would have liked him more if it was Carrie Elwes. Like, I don't know if Carrie Elwes mm-hmm. would have, like, made him a little bit more charming and less, like, yeah, fight me. Like, I'm just a punk <laughs> kid. And I'm like, listen, I love Chris O'Donnell. We loved him in Batman and Robin. You know, yeah. our sweet, sweet ramen. We loved his bat nips. Ramen. Ramen. Robin. Um but lips. like yeah, he just is he's his character's so annoying in this movie and I just yeah. I can't get into him. Yeah. I just like literally at one point I feel like a lady walked up to him and was like, Hi, and he was like, You wanna fight? Yeah, literally <laughs> at two o'clock. Like Every two seconds he was fighting someone and I was like, it's really not that necessary. And also, if you want to be a musketeer, I almost feel like it's like the Jedi where you have to have like some form of self-control in order to be like good at what you do. Totally. So he was one of the characters that I was kind of annoyed with the entire time. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was hilarious how it was like back in the good old days when catching bodies was just like a normal daily thing, like tea time. (laughs) Tea time meant murder. There, I feel like most of my notes have to do with like certain parts. My just like my reactions to certain parts. I love it. Um, like the one part where Tim Curry was like, "You work for me." To the guy in the eye patch, he was like, "You work for me." Having two eyes is a privilege, not a right. <laughs> he basically like threatened to take away his other eye. He was like, "You're not paid to have two eyes." I was like, "Dang, he's ruthless. He's such a fun, he was wild. such a fun villain in this." He was wild, although he was kind of creepy a few times, like with the women. Oh, yeah, in this. super creepy. Just in general, I feel like all of the guys in this, I was like, why are the women so over sexualized? Yeah. Like, 
we get it. Back in the day, men didn't really respect women at all. They were seen more as like property. But this was made in the 90s. And like if we were going to be historically accurate, where were the French accents? Like if we were actually going to go <laughs> so there true. and make this historically accurate, um, like y'all could have put a little bit of respect on the women. They Let's all just... have American accents <laughs> or like lightly British accents. Yes. Like they're, they don't try at all. <laughs> They were literally at one point they were like, oh, look, here's the king's snack bin, like the hidden snack compartment. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? But yeah, I agree with the the sexualization. I understand it for Lady de Winter because that's like kind of her whole thing is that she's like it's kind of her thing. Yeah, she's she like, like seduces a... you like that's her whole gimmick is she seduces yeah, you and kills you. She's like you. a poison ivy. Yeah. yeah. And I, I get that. I feel bad because it's like I don't know if you noticed but that's Marie Antoinette is the queen and yeah it's like she's supposed to be like 16 or 17 Mm -hmm. she's supposed to be really young and so like for me I don't even know if I saw it so much as like sexualizing her as like this dude is extra creepy because not only is he like perving on her but she's a child like she's a kid who just got married to another kid (laughs) and they're both just children like it's yeah I was like I'm uncomfortable because like she's meant to be a child and also she's like the girl from burn notice (laughs) and I'm like very (laughs) uncomfortable (laughs) oh my gosh um I also that was another thing I was like everyone is apparently aware that the cardinal is a bad dude but nobody thinks to stop him I'm like who's working for him who's not working for him like I was kind of confused with the whole thing because at one point the queen and the king are walking down um the hallway and they're like oh he's a bad guy you know what I mean and it's like oh no so the queen said something like the cardinal's an evil man what do we do yeah I was like you're the leaders of the country you could literally unalive him and no one would care like you could but like back then the church ran everything like even countries so like that's kind of the problem is like Mm. you could but there would be a huge uprising from all the people because they consider the church above the crown that's why like king henry the eighth was such a big deal when he decided Mm. to literally leave the church so he could get divorced and like created a separation in the church and made protestantism and Mm -hmm. yeah it's like it's like a big deal so like back then the church rules everything so like i could totally understand why they're like hey we're just a pair of kids who are like now in charge of a country (laughs) and like the church is ahead of is like in charge of everything but like the guy who's in charge of our area is like super evil what do we do like we can't just kill him because everybody will be Mm -hmm. mad at us so like what do we yeah and i mean unfortunately it didn't help them either because you know, yeah. if anybody knows how what happened to King Louis and Marie Antoinette, they got beheaded anyway. So, yeah, I was literally like at one point, it was like during that same scene, they had both of them taken by the guards and like the cardinal was basically standing over them like, what are you going to do? I have the power, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I was like, all of you work for him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. all of you. I was like, nobody's loyal to the crown. Okay. Well, the musketeers are loyal to the crowd. <laughs> That's it. Which was another funny thing because I was like, didn't they all burn their costumes and then they all come out with their costumes? You always on? gotta have like, a spare. They're what? dramatic. They're French. You always gotta have a backup tunic. 
<laughs> you know what? You're right. I always keep a poncho in my car just in case. Um, I love all the hiding spots that they pulled their tunics out of, too. Like, so they were wild. just the most random areas of, like, houses and trees. And I was like, y'all, yes. were, just, y'all were just keeping that <laughs> there for how long? They were so out of pocket. And I was also like... They the three musketeers have been fighting for their lives this entire time. Where were y'all? Like, where were you? <laughs> None of y'all helped until this last scene. They're like, oh, fine. We'll all come in and be dramatic. <laughs> Wild. But yeah. Also, I was like, imagine all of this happens on your first day of like being a guard for the cardinal. Could you imagine? And you're like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Like, I'd be like, what is happening? You were just elected cardinal in France and you're like, yes. wait a second. <laughs> going on over there <laughs> you just like slowly back out like that simpsons meme where he just disappears into the bushes i'm dead but yeah i the one part that actually took me by surprise is when um charlie sheen's character got shot i was yeah. like <gasps> excuse me yeah wow I literally thought that Kiefer Sutherland's character would have been like the first to to die or whatever. Um, And of course, he obviously lives. But um, I was like, I kind of wish he stayed dead. (laughs) Like, I feel like that would have added more drama to the movie. Yeah. Because like there are three musketeers. So I feel like when D'Artagnan finally becomes one, it would have been like more significant if one of them had died. But... Yeah, I mean, Here I guess are. in the original story, D'Artagnan is always, in, I feel like in every version of the Musketeers, there's always a D'Artagnan, and he always joins yeah. the Musketeers. So, like, it would have been kind of sad. It would be like, oh, well, now there's, I mean, there are the three Musketeers again, but, like, literally yeah. the, the three Musketeers have now lost a Musketeer. It would be sad. There can't be four. <laughs> One of us has to go. <laughs> I vote D'Artagnan off. <laughs> How you say it? C'est la vie. Um, literally... I was like, please take D'Artagnan. Please, yeah, please. Like, please get him out of here. When I was a kid, I thought that was like a real thing that like if you wore a mm. big enough cross under your tunic that if you got shot, that it would get caught in the cross. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I could just imagine you dragging a cross around with you at all times. Literally. Like a giant one. Literally. I was oh like, I was like, yeah, this is how it works. And my dad's like, that is not how bullets work. <laughs> oh my gosh um but yeah could you imagine after all of that d'artagnan was like eh, never mind <laughs> yeah literally was like oh. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go be robin instead yeah oh you know that that red-haired guy I was fighting at the beginning i got <laughs> unfinished bus- business with him like i gotta go yeah like i'm not i'm not built for this yeah um the one other thing about this i it felt like the movie was kind of long i feel like there was like one goal through the entire movie and it kind of felt like they I mean obviously there's one goal for the movie like protect the king and stop the cardinal but I did think that it kind of took a long time to get there and I was like are they almost like is this almost over at at a certain point I was like are they there yet like what's what's taking so long I think it's interesting that they like, in my opinion, I feel like they were really trying to follow the book. And mm, so they were that like, makes sense. so like you can see like all the different characters plot lines like being addressed and wrapping up. And like, mm-hmm. so in that way, I'm like kind of happy because I don't think that they left too many plot holes in like people's like we never wonder like what happened to Lady de Winter because we yeah. see what happens to her, you know. So it's like they kind of wrap up all the ensemble characters. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, it, it's very long because I feel like they're just more interested in telling the story instead of being like, we're going to get right to the big bad at the end and yeah. the big fight scene. Like it's it's a but it's a long roundabout. Like you have to be invested, I feel like, in every single character and where their story goes. And um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's a lot. It, there's probably scenes in it that could be taken out that are like For unnecessary. Sure. But yeah, it's it's definitely I feel like a movie that leans more into just like retelling a book than being mm-hmm. a movie that is like it's standalone in its own right, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because now while we're on the topic, I think that the one major scene that could have been cut is the bar when they're teaching D'Artagnan like how to kiss women without yes, their that's consent. that's a scene that is so unnecessary. I was like, can we <laughs> not? Um, and then also, I feel like I would I wanted more of a connection between the characters. Like I like I liked each character individually. Um, except for D'Artagnan because he was trying to fight everyone. <laughs> um, but I kind of wish that we had seen more of like a brotherhood between them instead of, oh, these are all just great fighters. But I don't know. I, I feel like it was kind of lacking. And even with Kiefer, Th- Kiefer Sutherland's character and his wife, who like he found out was alive after all of this, um, there just wasn't really any like hard-hitting emotion. I'm like, I don't know if it was just... Like, when she threw herself off the cliff, I was like, he really didn't have a reaction. Like, I feel like at that point, he had kind of made peace with the thought of, like, oh, she's never going to change. Like, she has to pay for what she's done, basically. But at the same time, if you just found out that your wife is alive when you thought she was dead, like, where are the tears? You know what I mean? Like, where's the emotion? Because he knew that she was a murderer. Like, he knew yeah. she was a killer. And that's why he told the whole story Skin about, of a killer, you know, Bella. <laughs> yeah, the Lord who, like, sent his wife away. Like, the, yeah. the Count who was like, go away. Like, I don't want you anymore because I know you're a murderer. Mm-hmm. But then didn't he say he regretted it? So, like, He says what? he regrets it. But then I feel like at the same time, like, he's such, like, a, an honor-bound character where he's like, mm. you still have to pay for what you did. And, like, he knows the whole way that they're walking up there that she's getting executed. Like, there's no way she's not, like, there's no way she's coming down from this mountain, right? Mm -hmm. Like, either she's going to die by the sword or something. Like, she's going to die regardless. So I feel like in some ways he's probably made peace with that. And then when she takes her own life, it's like, okay, well, you know what? She just did it on her own terms. But, like, she was going to die when they got up there anyway. Mm -hmm. So, like... In some ways, I feel like he kind of made peace with it. But, like, obviously, yeah, that's, like, really effing sad. Like, (laughs) it's such a sad ending for a character. Especially one like her who's, like, yeah, she's done terrible things. But, like, dang. Dang. (laughs) Like, holy moly. I was like, bro, she made out with your buddy. Like. Yeah. She was about to. She's about to stab (laughs) your boy. (laughs) Um, I feel like my issue with like the buddiness of them is more mm-hmm. that like Aramis Kiefer Sutherland's character I never get the sense that he's super bonded to the other characters yeah. like I get a lot of feeling that like Oliver Platt and Charlie Sheen's characters are friends like mm-hmm. I get that vibe very seriously from them yeah but I never get the vibe that Kiefer Sutherland's character is friends with them even though they kind of have like a little bit of banter when they're in the carriages and the bars and whatever and they're you know they have their witty back and forth and their little jokes and that's fine yeah but I just I I feel like the Charlie Sheen and Oliver Platt like they seem like they are much closer and like have inside jokes and bonds together Mm -hmm. whereas I 
I just, I don't get that from Kiefer Sutherland's character. Like you said, he doesn't yeah. even cry when his wife dies. He doesn't get emotional about anything or seem like he's really bonded to anybody. Right. And I think, I think that's hard. I think that's where like, I get the disconnect where I'm like, you don't feel like you're part of the trio, but then obviously D'artagnan's not part of the trio. So it kind of feels like a duo yeah. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, it the... just feels like two duos instead of a quartet. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it seems like he's the one that's even like most interested in D'Artagnan too. Yeah. So it's, it feels like they're two singlets and then Charlie Sheen and Oliver Platt are like the duo. <laughs> I love this. You're like, there's two singles and then there's a duo. And then, <laughs> and then there's the duo. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I completely agree. There was a scene where they, like the one that we said could be cut, but it literally could have been a different scene altogether where. Yeah. Or the three of them like drinking, yeah. you know, together. Or even, like, while they're on the adventures, they're like, hey, do you remember that time you did it? You know what I mean? Like, right. I just, yeah, I wish that there was more more of a connection between the characters, but I did still find them to be a lot of fun. I also feel like they kind of gave us, like, little snippets of each character, too, because, like, Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen's character, they were like, oh, he takes death very seriously. Like, he prayed over a body. And yeah, he used to be a priest. And um, I was like, but he still kills people. Like, okay. yeah, but he's still just like, I'm going to pray okay. for you, though. I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to give you your last rights. <laughs> you made me do this. <laughs> he said, it's easier to ask forgiveness than ask permission. Yes. Um, he's wild. Yeah. I honestly, the only other part that I thought was kind of unnecessary was like the big dude at the end that came Ugh, out of yeah. nowhere. I was like, why? Why? Oh, yeah. Michael's, my brother, his favorite thing to say is when he sees something like big and enormous, he goes, oh, big, ugly. (laughs) He just quotes it all the time. It's so funny. (laughs) I literally was like, who the heck is this dude? Um, It's Bane before it was Bane. Literally. Um, But yeah. And then I was at the end, I was like, not the 90s credits ballad. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The credits ballad. It's everything. And it's sung and performed by like three guys. So three musketeers. Stop it. I can't. Stop it right now. So yeah, this movie is definitely not for kids. No. Um, That's why when I I told Lex when we were going to watch it, I was like, do not let Maya watch this. (laughs) I I should not have watched this until high school. I don't know what I was doing in grade school watching this, but I I should not have watched this until later. It's it's scary. I remember the dungeon scenes would scare me really bad as a kid. Like I would close my eyes or look away like I did not want to see them. It was a lot. Yeah, very, very. It's just it's really dark for a Disney movie, like Mm -hmm. shockingly dark and surprising and also, also like visually dark i couldn't tell what the heck was going yes. on at all in the first like two minutes but i knew it wasn't good yeah and someone's <laughs> screaming it's probably not great <laughs> um but yeah is there anything else that you would have changed about this movie um i think i would have had more of like d'artagnan and constance Thank i feel like you oh, their you read my romance mind. was like two scenes yeah and I didn't really get a sense of, like, why she was so into him. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I, I wanted more between them. Like, I didn't yeah. feel like I understood why she had such feelings for him. Like, 100%. I feel like there, were, there was more, there were more scenes between Lady de Winter and Aramis and yeah. the king and queen than there were between D'Artagnan, the quote unquote, you know, main character and his yeah. love interest. So I don't know if those were like deleted scenes that got taken out or something, but yeah, I, don't I would have liked to see more because um, I thought Constance was a cool character and I wanted more yeah. of her. Honestly, 
I wanted more from her too. And I was like, I, I didn't understand the love at first sight part. I was like, okay, let's calm down a little bit. Cause like yeah. you just met her and yeah, literally. Um, I, I just wanted to see her more. I thought she seemed like a really cool character and also like she's part of the Queens like ladies in waiting. So yeah. I kind of wish that like maybe her dad was a member of the Musketeers and he taught her to fight. You know what I mean? So like she wants to be one, but can't yeah. or something like that. She's kind of a baddie. Like at yeah. the end where D'Artagnan for, you know, those who don't know or haven't seen it mm-hmm. and want the spoiler. Like we D'Artagnan, haven't spoiled this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. D'Artagnan uh, is almost killed um, yeah. by, by the bad guy with the eye patch. And, yeah. He Popeye. doesn't have a sword because his sword has been knocked away from him. And then mm-hmm. suddenly when the guy goes to stab him, D'Artagnan like pokes him with a sword and yeah. they pan over <laughs> and you see that Constance is the one, <laughs> you just Constance is the one who passed him the sword. Mm. And so I'm like, so she's kind of a ride or die baddie. So yeah. like I want more of like her being a ride or die baddie, whether that's yeah. to the queen or more scenes with D'Artagnan. Like I just wanted more of her. I really liked her. Yeah. Could you imagine if, like, all of a sudden around them, like, if they're fighting, like, three people, all of a sudden someone just falls and they're like, who did that? And she's just, like, comes out of the bushes, shanks someone, then curls back in. Um, it's so funny. I'm silent assassin. Yeah, I definitely wanted more from her, too, and less of D'Artagnan, um, to be honest. but I think it would have been cool if D'Artagnan was a gender-bent character and it was actually a girl in disguise. Very Ooh. Mulan-esque. Ooh. I think it w- I think his character would have been better if they gave him bat nips. I love where your mind is at. <laughs> <laughs> he needs rubber lips, actually, where he, he goes, leaves. rubber lips are immune to your yes. charms. <laughs> For anybody love who doesn't it. know, go watch our Batman and Robin, or go listen to our Batman and Robin episode. <laughs> and go watch Batman and Robin, because it is go a gem. It. So good. <laughs> But anyways, yes, that's really the main thing that I'm so glad you brought up because that's what yeah. I would have changed too. Um, the only other thing is like I want more swashbuckling. I always want more swashbuckling. I always, always want to see, especially for being the three musketeers and being like the top tier guys, I want to see it. I want to see tightrope walkers. I want to see <laughs> <laughs> them do a backflip off a tree like the Merry Men from Shrek. Were there not enough backflips in this movie for you? <laughs> There's so many flips. <laughs> I need more. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into our reviews. Yay! All right. The Three Musketeers received a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, a horrible 30% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, a 62% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, and three out of five stars on Common Sense Media. Yikes, that critic rating, though. Yeah, that critic rating is harsh. <laughs> um, so for our ratings, we can rate the Three Musketeers on a scale from A plus to F minus. A plus meaning this film was great. I enjoyed the action and comedy. I will definitely be rewatching this again, and I'm buying a floppy feather hat right now. Mind your business. I don't <laughs> want to, like. You don't need to know how many of them I have in my Amazon cart right now. <laughs> F minus meaning this film is actually horrible. The plot was a disgrace to the book. It is a sad excuse for a swashbuckler movie, and I regret ever watching this. Based on this rating scale, how would you rate The Three Musketeers? So 
because I rewatch this a lot and I've seen it a million times, I feel mm-hmm. like I have to put it in the A category just because it's something I do the turn to and do. Yeah. yeah, the rewatchability. So this is an A minus for me, I think. Um, okay. Plot wise and you know, whatever else wise, I think it really is like a B, B plus. Yeah. But because I rewatch it and I have such a nostalgic tie to it, I have to give it an A minus. Okay. What about you? Um, I'm going to give this a B minus. I liked it enough to, I probably will rewatch it in the future. Um, I honestly probably wouldn't turn to this as like a first movie if I want to feel nostalgic because I don't have any nostalgic ties yeah, to it. Yeah, you have it. no ties to it. So literally, I'm still waiting on like the Mickey movie. Um, <laughs> I literally, yeah, I, I feel like there was a lot wrong with this movie. But I did enjoy the action. I loved Tim Curry. I thought that the acting was pretty good for the most part. Um, I just wish the characters had more of a connection with each other. Um, And overall, I'm glad I watched it. Yay. I'm glad that you're glad you watched it. I'm glad that you're glad that I'm glad I watched it. And I hope you don't get nightmares from it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm fragile. I'm just a 28-year-old teenage girly. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. If you don't already, go give us a follow on social media. We can be found on Instagram and TikTok at Chasing Childhood Podcast and on Facebook at Just Chasing Childhood. Yay! Now, follow us and tune in next week. We're going to be reviewing the Even Stevens movie. Which is something we have both seen. (laughs) Yeah. This is our ending note. We're rewarding ourselves with the Even Stevens movie. (laughs) Yep. And never forget, guys, omelette du fromage. Okay? (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs)